Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Hey, it is a new year. That means that, please God, it is a time of new brochas, new blessings, new opportunities, new energies. I hope you had a wonderful Rosh Hashanah. I've got to tell you, it was really, really beautiful. And I'll make a confession over here that not long before Rosh Hashanah, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm up for this. <laughs> you know, it's a busy time for us rabbis. And there's a lot going on, and there was a lot going on in the community, general community. People have Tsaurus build up before Yom Tov, you know how it is. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm up for this challenge. Meantime, it was an absolutely beautiful, beautiful Rosh Hashanah on every level. And I certainly hope that you had a similar experience, so Shana Tova, and as we say at this time of the year, Gemar Chasima Tova. May the rest of the proceedings between now and Yom Kippur all just bode well for us and bring us the greatest brochas and good things for the year to come. Let's be optimistic about this year. I know people are finding it a little difficult to be optimistic at the moment about various things, but that's our job. That's part of our challenge. That's part of how we serve God. Being optimistic is part of how we serve God. It's also part of how we elicit good things for the coming year. So let's, let's try. Let's try. And if you have anything about the Rosh Hashanah experience that you'd like to share with us, maybe you had something that was really inspiring, or maybe you had something that you never had thought of before, and this was the first Rosh Hashanah that it came up, and you scratched your head and said, hmm, I wonder, is that normal? Do we always do this? Or if you maybe thought, I've, I've never understood why we do that, and I've never thought to ask. So I'm just curious, before we get down to what it is that we're going to discuss today, I want to open this wide open and allow you the opportunity to share your most inspirational Rosh Hashanah moment or the one thing that this Rosh Hashanah got you thinking that you hadn't necessarily thought about before. It could be something you've done every year and you've just never paused to think about it, or it could be something the rabbi said or something a guest at your table did or the host who had you for Yom Tov served, anything, anything at all that made you just wonder a little bit about Rosh Hashanah in a different light, a different perspective. I'd love to hear it. It should be so interesting. You know, sometimes we think our lives are so ordinary, and then when we just start to share, we realize that to other people it's incredibly interesting. So let's, uh, there's your invitation. Start with that. If you've got anything that you'd like to share on that note, 34519, if you're going to send us an SMS, you can always WhatsApp 0618951019, and you can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. Love to hear just your thoughts and perspectives, and in a moment I'll tell you what's on my mind. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So we'll keep that one live through the course of the show. If you do have anything that popped up in your mind over this year, you thought, wow, now that was really inspiring or special, or that was really curious, I wonder. So this would be a nice time just to share it with the rest of us. I do think that everybody stands to gain and everybody stands to learn when we share and when we share our experiences, don't think of yourself as just being simply ordinary. It doesn't work that way. We're not that ordinary. We're not that uh, bland. We've all got some color in our lives. So share it. 
you never know. You might just totally inspire somebody or you might just get somebody else thinking as well. So my question for today, I always like to ask a question and let's launch the conversation from a question. So it's coming, we're in the period between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That means we're coming up for Yom Kippur. Just days away, right? Less than a week to go. And I know people get very nervous when they see that Yom Kippur is on the horizon. Oh my gosh, it's a hectic time. And how are we going to manage? And the fasting scares people and the judgment scares people. And people think that God's all angry and waiting to be vindictive. And we've got to try our best to dodge, which obviously is not the case. Now, one of the big things that's supposed to happen around Yom Kippur has to do with interpersonal relationships because it's all very well to stand before God on Yom Kippur and pound your chest and say, I did this wrong and I did that wrong and I'm really sorry about it. At the same time, God cannot and will not forgive on behalf of other people. So if there's a person out there who we've wronged, we've got a responsibility to try and make good with them before Yom Kippur rolls around. So that means there are two sides to this story, right? There could be that there's somebody who you feel that you need to make up with, or you may have somebody who you feel you are expected to, or maybe even required to forgive. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about forgiveness and the experience of forgiveness, because we've all had experiences in our lives. We've had people perhaps who were close to us. We've had people perhaps who are not close to us. Random person. I mean, just literally uh, maybe half an hour before I came to the studio, right outside my office, right outside, there was a, a fender bender, or maybe a little bit more than a fender bender, but nobody was hurt. Nobody was hurt. And the, the way that these people, the two drivers, the way that they were screaming at each other and cursing each other. Now, the question that it seems, it seems from the way that the story was presented that one person was negligent. And as a result of that, they put the other person into a position, damage to their car, aggravation. The, the rest of the day, of course, is a write-off because uh, they, they can't travel in their normal way. Uh, they obviously are delayed because of the time that it took to resolve the issues around the accident and the potential injury. You know, sometimes a person realizes that that could have been a lot worse and it's not unusual for somebody to be angry. So there's an example. So now, now let's, let's assume it had been a Jewish person. It was not, but let's just assume it had been a Jewish person and now it's coming up for Yom Kippur and here's random stranger who drove badly. And, and landed up causing an accident. And this Jewish person was in that accident. So is there an expectation now before Yom Kippur to forgive random stranger? Maybe sometimes it's easier to forgive people who are that random intervention in our lives because it's short-lived. It's a person we don't necessarily have any deep emotion towards. So it happened and we could let it go. Maybe sometimes that's easier to forgive than a person who's part of our lives and isn't going anywhere that quickly. And we're going to have to continue to deal with them on an ongoing basis. So, so it's not unusual, I don't think, for people to find it difficult to forgive certain people. So here's my question. It's coming up for Yom Kippur, and there is an expectation that we should ask forgiveness, and equally we should grant forgiveness. I'm going to talk from the perspective of the giving forgiveness, of forgiving people. So here's the question. How do you forgive somebody who has really hurt you? You know, if, if it's somebody who just... I know that for some people at this time of the year, it's kind of just a functionary thing that people do. It's a time of the year. You go over to somebody and say, do you give me mechila? Do you forgive me? 
Some people will post it on their social media. If there's anybody I offended during the past year, please forgive me. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. We're not talking about people who, who did minor things in your life and it was just an inconvenience at the time and it was whatever. Somebody who really hurts a person, how does that person forgive them? And if you think this is a, a far-fetched or, or uncommon issue, I don't think it's uncommon at all. I think there are so many people walking around carrying terrible hurt, again, often from people who are very much a part of their lives. It makes sense, right? Those who are closest to you are the people who would hurt you more or more deeply if they did hurt you. So how? How do you deal with it? And I, I'm pretty sure that because people have been through this experience or are going through this experience, people can share from personal firsthand experience what worked for you. Or what doesn't work for you? Or, or what was the experience that you had that didn't elicit the response that you thought it was going to elicit? Or what was the expectation? Maybe sometimes you have an expectation that if a person does X and Y, then I'll be in a position that I'm willing to forgive them. That might be uh, sometimes a consideration. Maybe you're expecting them to take the first step. And is that a requirement? I think we talk about that too. Is it a requirement that that person has to come forward before you can find it within yourself to forgive them? So there are various elements to this, but let's keep it simple for a start. And keeping it simple means just a, a simple question. How does a person forgive somebody who has really hurt them in a deep and personal way? So if you've got thoughts on that or you have experience because there's nothing that is as powerful as experience. So share it with us on three five three four five one nine or WhatsApp oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine. I suspect that some people will have a little bit more to say than what can fit in a tweet. Don't know. Maybe that's going out on a limb. But if you do, you can always email on air at chayfm.com. You could tweet at chayfm. You could tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. I would be very interested to hear, and I'm sure there are many people who will find it quite difficult to comment on this because it's painful and it's close and it's personal but on the other hand they would definitely want to hear your insight if you've navigated this kind of path successfully then i think other people could learn from that experience and they would welcome and embrace it that's what this time of the year is about it's not just about reading things in books and banging on chests it's about coming with real life solutions how am i going to deal with this this is a time of forgiveness. And I think there are people who will even tell you that if we want God to forgive us, surely we need to be in a position that we're willing to forgive others. Otherwise, on what basis? We know that Hashem's perspective is what we call mida keneged mida. That means that God deals with us in the same way as we behave. It's called measure for measure. So what we do will elicit a particular kind of response from God. If we're unwilling to forgive, is it realistic for us to then expect that God would forgive us? So it's something we have to address. It's something we have to talk about. It's definitely relevant and live at this time of the year. I'm absolutely certain that many people feel the pain straight away. As soon as you mention that, how do you forgive somebody who has really hurt you? Many people will feel that as a tangible pain, part of their life. And at the same time, there are people who think, you know, I was there and I, I know what it felt like and I've dealt with it and I, I've learned wisdom or methodology. This is what you've got to do. This is what's going to help your life. And, and I'd love to share it. And, I, and I'm pretty sure that people who have been liberated from carrying around that, that toxic hurt would be quite enthusiastic to share what worked 
to help other people because when you feel lighter, all you want to do is help somebody else feel the same way. So very, very keen to hear if you've got an insight or an experience on this, some wisdom on this, please share it with us. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Okay, so as we are at that time of the year when you're supposed to be talking, not just talking, you're supposed to actually be working through these issues of forgiveness. So here's the question for you. What do you think would be uh, the way that you go about forgiving somebody who has really hurt you? And it's uh, it's a difficult one. Philip on Twitter says that uh, can someone be forgiven if they are not sorry? In other words, I think what Philip is saying is that it's important for people to come forward, to ask for forgiveness, to apologize. Would you agree with that? Is it is it a necessary precursor in, in order to be able to forgive somebody does it need to be that they first approach you i mean if you have a look in classic jewish sources for example the rambam maimonides in his laws of teshuva where he addresses these issues of how we go about reconciling ourselves with god and how we reconcile ourselves with other people so he talks a lot about the concept of asking for forgiveness i did mention earlier that at this time of the year very often people do exactly that and they say i want to ask for forgiveness so is that a requirement? It may be. It may also be the first place to start the conversation. I don't know how likely it is that a person will just forgive without having that goodwill from the other person. But perhaps maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people would forgive regardless. So Philip wants to know, is it possible to forgive somebody if they are not Sorry for what they have done. It's a very interesting perspective. Very interesting. We do know, for example, that there is Jewish literature both in the Talmud and in the other halakhic sources that speak to the fact of what if somebody does show that they're sorry and they do apologize and they are contrite and then you refuse to forgive them. That's another whole that's another whole chapter of this discussion, which I don't know if we are ready for yet, but it's a definitely an, an interesting and and uh, important part of the conversation. So let's see. Let's see where that part goes. W- would you agree? Would you agree that the person has to first approach you and ask for forgiveness before you have to necessarily respond? Uh, here's Michael saying, I think this is pretty, pretty honest. My question is, how do you forgive somebody who has really hurt you? And Michael says, with great difficulty. Now, even that, even when you say with great difficulty, that implies that you should forgive them, right? And is the difficulty coming to a point where you let go of your own emotions? Is the difficulty that you're trying to shift yourself to a different perspective? What's the difficulty? I do acknowledge that people would certainly have difficulty forgiving and that it does come with great difficulty but let's analyze that what's the difficulty what's the problem why do we find it difficult to forgive somebody who has hurt us is it is it because we're still hurting what if it's a long time down the line and maybe the hurt is not as acute as as it was in the beginning is it still as difficult i think it's fair to say that in the moment it's much more difficult or or when it's fresh it's much more difficult to forgive than normally you know Give it a bit of time. What did I say? Time heals and that kind of thing. Neil says by WhatsApp, if God forgives us, we should not count how many times people offend us. 
So if God forgives us, I'm assuming that, Neil, your point is if God forgives us, then we should forgive others, which is very much something that I think Judaism does believe. The way we behave towards other people will have a lot to do with how God behaves towards us. So if we want God to forgive us or if we believe that God forgives us, surely then that is a kindness that we should extend to other people. And this is a very interesting point. We should not count how many times people offend us. You know, it does seem that way. It does seem that very often people keep count. People keep score. I did this. You did that. You didn't do this. You weren't there. It was that event. It was that simcha. It was in that context. So that's a very good piece of advice that Neil is giving us. Don't count how many times people offend us because keeping score will never make you feel better. And it certainly won't. I don't know why that people perceive, and I think we all do this, that if we keep a tally of all the things that the other person has done wrong, then somehow or another we'll get to the point where we're able to convince them that everything that they've done wrong is uh, why they owe us an apology or whatever. And that doesn't necessarily help. Very interesting how we often feel so compelled to keep score and don't realize that that's robbing us of the opportunity that we could have to heal. And maybe healing is an important part of this conversation. Maybe. Don't know. Uh, some will agree. Some will disagree. So what do you do? How do you come to forgive somebody who has really hurt you? How how do you do that? And I think there's so many people that could benefit. And so maybe there are people out there who say, can't be done. If the hurt is deep enough, why should you have to surrender your personality? Why should you have to surrender your own status, sense of self to accommodate somebody else who misbehaved? And, and maybe that's the other side of this. You know, is, is forgiveness always required? Because at the end of the day, sometimes a person, you know, they've done something wrong. And maybe if they've done something wrong, they deserve to be held accountable for it. Here's another comment on Twitter. Says, what if the hurt is ongoing? Is forgiveness possible? Mm, yeah, well, that's that's a very, very important point. Sometimes it's difficult to forgive, not because I have a difficult time forgiving, but because the problem is still ongoing. And if it's ongoing, then uh, maybe I'm not yet at the point that I could forgive. Is that true? Is there a major difference if I'm trying to forgive something that happened in the past versus trying to forgive something that is happening now? Does that make a, a, a significant difference? To your assessment. Another follow up WhatsApp from Neil says Shouldn't we be doers of God's word, not just read and agree to what his Torah says? Yes, we should be doers of God's word. So I think, Neil, if I'm understanding your WhatsApp correctly, your implication over there is that if God forgives, we should forgive. Don't just pay lip service to things that are written in the Torah. We should actually do it in real life. I think that's what you're saying, and I don't believe anybody can disagree with that, that that's what we should do. My question is, how? How do we forgive somebody who's really hurt us? It's human nature not to want to forgive when somebody's really hurt you. Maybe if your child is disrespectful, your child is your child, and you love your child absolutely and unconditionally, and you get over it. But there's so many other people in our lives who are not necessarily unconditional 
members of our lives or unconditional recipients of our love. And maybe there we don't find it so easy. So I definitely agree with you, Neil. We should be doers of God's word. Now let's talk practically. How? How do we do it? How do you get yourself to the point where every part of your emotional being is screaming in protest and saying, I cannot forgive this person after what they did to me? And you say, well, God certainly forgives us. I mean, there's no question about it that God is infinite, not only in his existence, but infinite also in his capacity for forgiveness. You look in our liturgy and you'll see that three times a day we say, you are the one who is Hanun, who is gracious, who regularly or many times forgives. And we say that every single day is a blessing. We invoke God's name. That means that we mean it really seriously because you're not allowed to take God's name in vain. It means we truly believe this, that this is how it is, that God forgives, forgives, and forgives again. And somehow we're supposed to emulate that. And I don't know if we find it so easy, and sometimes we may not find it possible. So that's what we're going to talk about over here today. So how, how, if you've done it, if you've found that success in your own life, how, how do you do it? Here's uh, probably pushing the limits of how many characters you can put into a tweet. This is Kirsten saying, no, it's not, uh, no, <laughs> I don't know what no means, but okay. Um, oh, okay. Got it. Kirsten's replying to, are some people beyond forgiveness? Somebody made that comment, are some people beyond forgiveness? We'll talk about that. So Kirsten says, no, but our human instinct is to punish those who intentionally hurt others. People always forget the sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will always hurt me. Being indifferent to someone and not valuing them or who they are is as bad as punching them in the face. Well, the truth of the matter is it might even be worse than punching them in the face because the uh, the way that a person can heal from a physical wound might be easier to how they heal from a an emotional wound. So there's a lot to think about on this topic. How do you forgive somebody who has really hurt you? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that via SMS 34519 or WhatsApp 0618951019. Some interesting tweets coming through and you can join that Twitter stream at Chai FM or directly at Rabbi Shish. Now here's a community announcement from Prudential Investment Managers. It's just for you. A strong community is one of life's greatest assets. When considering your financial assets, always look for a manager who can deliver consistently. As you and your family enter the new year, all of us at Prudential Investment Managers wish you good health, financial security, and peace of mind. Contact Prudential Investment Managers via their website, which is www.prudential.co.za. Consistently is the only currency that matters. So, if you're picking up stompies on this conversation, you're not quite sure exactly what it is that we're talking about. It's coming up to Yom Kippur. So, I thought Yom Kippur, one of the big, big focuses of Yom Kippur is the capacity and the responsibility to forgive people. Now, as soon as you say forgiveness, people get very excited about it and say, yes, it's important. We all believe in it as a value. And then there's the but. But so-and-so, after what they did to me, I don't know if I could forgive them. After what they did to so-and-so, I don't know if I could forgive them. Um, I see people believe uh, somebody made this uh, made this comment. Uh, I've misplaced it somewhere. But somebody made the comment that people who hurt children, you cannot forgive them. So is that, in fact, what we believe? I, I suppose 
it's important to put this out there. From a Jewish point of view, it is not my place to forgive on somebody else's behalf. I can only forgive somebody for the hurt that they have done to me. I can't forgive them for the hurt they've done to other people. That's their journey and that's their process and that's what they have to work through and hopefully be able to achieve. Here is another comment. Mark says, I've forgiven people who hurt me 50 years ago, but it is still on my mind. And I suppose that that then opens another perspective on this conversation. So they say forgive and forget. Obvious cliche and obviously not that easy to do. And then there's that tongue-in-cheek comment that people make about I forgive and forget, but I never forget what I have forgiven. So here you've got Mark saying 50 years down the line and I've forgiven the people, but I, I still think about it. So if you still think about it, have you actually forgiven the person? You know, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes uh, the fact that you're still thinking about it implies that you haven't quite moved on. So what does forgiveness really mean? Is it possible to forgive without moving on? Is it? I don't know. Not sure. Here's Jeff. Jeff says, forget about it and move on. And I wonder if uh, if this is two different people, two very different perspectives. You've got one saying, 50 years down the line, I have forgiven, but I still think about it. And somebody else saying, just let go and move on. And I wonder, I wonder if it is different depending on who it is, depending on what they did. Neil continues with the WhatsApp conversation. Neil's saying over here, obedience is better than sacrifice. Yeah, that is a quotation straight from the book of Samuel after King Saul spared the king of Amalek. And he says, I spared all these animals because I wanted to bring sacrifices. And the prophet Samuel says, no, that's not how it works. The greatest thing is obedience. And so, uh, again, Neil, just for those of you who just tuned in, Neil is of the opinion and I don't think you can argue with this opinion that we're supposed to emulate God and therefore we're supposed to forgive and forgive again. And my question was, how? How do you do it if it's somebody who really hurt you? And to that, Neil says, obedience. In other words, you have to accept if this is what God wants of me, then then this is what I have to do. So obedience, okay. Not sure that everybody's going to find that so easy to achieve. But... Let's see. Let's see what comes up in this conversation. Definitely an interesting conversation and uh, definitely going to have a lot of views and a lot of opinions. Here's Grant. Grant says, maybe maybe you should verbally forgive if you can and the rest will follow later. It's meant to be very therapeutic for your own healing to forgive if you've already been hurt. Now, that's an interesting thing. You know, uh, just just to contextualize, because we have to acknowledge that some situations are very extreme situations. There might be somebody who's hurt you, and for you it was very painful, but it's not necessarily an extreme situation. So here's an example. In this country, as in other places in the world, there are programs where they try and create some reconciliation between the families of murder victims and the perpetrators. Now, that's got to be one of the most difficult things to have to go through as a family member. And I don't want to use the word have to go through because surely it must be 100% the choice of the individual. Nobody should be pressuring an individual to say you must go and reconcile and forgive. But there is that movement to get families of victims, family members of victims of murder to go face to face, eye to eye with the perpetrator 
and forgive them. Now, what do you think about that? Because when we talk about pre-Yom Kippur, you probably until now have had in mind a certain family member who rarely makes your life a misery or a maybe an ex, maybe somebody you were engaged to, married to, dated, and they rarely hurt you. Maybe it is a current spouse and things are just not in a good space. Maybe you're thinking about an older child who's turned their back on their parents. Maybe you're thinking about a business partner who, cheat, who cheated you. You know, all of those things, they're, they're heavy duty, let's be honest. They're heavy duty. Doesn't necessarily compare to a very extreme case, which is forgiving the perpetrator of a murder of a, of a, a family member. Wow. And I, I know from having spoken to people who have been put through that program or at least were introduced to the program and didn't necessarily, necessarily follow it through, and they just could not do it, couldn't go eye to eye with a person who had killed a family member of theirs and forgive them. And I understand that absolutely, and I'm not even sure that it's from a Jewish perspective. I'm not even sure that that is something that we are expected to do. I don't know. Maybe some people disagree with that and think that we've got to do it under all circumstances. Don't know. Uh, here's somebody else who says, just smile at them. Who are we to judge why they hurt us? Well, I do think that the people out there are going to say, I just can't. I, I, I can't do that. I can't just smile. And you, you can't judge a person for not being able to do that. You don't know how deep the hurt goes. You don't know how long the hurt has been around. So who knows? I don't know. Just just smile might work for you. It's not necessarily going to work for everybody. So let's keep this conversation live. What else would you say to the person who has really hurt you? Now, I, I think this point who just brought it up about uh, it being therapeutic, I do think that's important because there is a certain aspect of the forgiveness process which is not just for the perpetrator. So here's somebody who hurt you and therefore you should come to forgive them for them. The truth of the matter is for you too because at the end of the day, you're carrying this stuff. You're carrying this stuff. It's eating you. It's obsessing you. You know how often it happens that the person who you need to forgive has kind of moved on and not even aware of the fact that they that it's eating you alive. They don't even know that they hurt you. That's a big problem, by the way. It's independent of our conversation over here today, but that is a big problem that we have in our society, in our community, and that's where people don't verbalize when they've been hurt. They just stuff it. So you've got this horrible situation with people who just refuse to speak to other people, and the other person doesn't even know why. That's it. You've just suddenly disappeared off the face of the earth. You don't reply to my messages. You don't come around. You don't talk. You don't, and I have no idea why. And then the worst part, you speak to the person and say, is everything okay? Like between us and say, these terse, yes, it's all fine. And you know it's not. And you know that there's something deeper festering over there. And, and how can you address something if the person hasn't told you? So I think we definitely – definitely owe each other the courtesy of communication to the best of our ability you know if there's something that needs to be said say it don't let it don't leave it up to the imagination don't think they're going to work out what it is that you've done or that the other person's done to upset you that's certainly not going to work but to forgive not always so easy not always so easy Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Like it or not, when you bring up a topic such as this, when you talk about forgiveness, it's going to touch all of us. We are all in a position where there's been somebody who 
has done something to hurt us, and we carry that around with us, and uh, it's difficult. It becomes part of the baggage that is in our lives, and it's difficult to let go. And I think people would love to have genuine guidance. He has an SMS. The SMS says, I would love to know how to forgive two people who did really traumatic and life-changing things to me, and now I'm tired of carrying them around. Please help me. Now, is that not just the most powerful SMS? Is that not the most brutally honest SMS? I mean, here's somebody making himself vulnerable in a communal setting and saying it like it is. It's this time of the year. It's Yom Kippur, and we're talking forgiveness. And here's somebody, and we don't know the details, but I can assure you now when a person says that two people did something very traumatic and life-changing, you can be assured that it was something really, really powerful, really profound, really big. And then the person says, please help me. I'm tired of carrying them around. This is where everybody's got to weigh in and say, well, this worked for me. This is how I did it. This is how I was able to actually let go of an incredibly difficult, painful thing that I carried around. You, you, you don't know. You might completely change somebody's life. It's not a time to be shy or quiet. That's why we have the opportunity to put things anonymously. Say it. Say what needs to be said. I think, I think it's really, really powerful if you can help somebody else out. Uh, somebody here has made a comment. And the comment, let me just see where it went. Oh, this, that's what happens sometimes. You see on these things, we misplace. Anyhow, somebody made a comment, which I thought was really interesting. And they said, you have to remember that when something like this happens to you, in other words, when somebody hurts you, it's also God. It's also God setting these things up. Now, let's be clear about this. That means that the perpetrator has to take 100% responsibility for the thing that they have done wrong. The fact that God chose you to be the victim, that's God's piece of the puzzle. Okay, does that we clear on that? In other words, you you cannot excuse bad behavior and saying it's God's plan, but you can own it by saying God chose me as the victim. Why me? That person's bad. Why am I the victim? And that's where there might be an opportunity for a person to to grow out of this experience. And I do think that if we can reframe, and this could take years of thinking differently, of speaking it out with people, of study, even speaking to God in our prayers. Until we get to the point where we can actually say, hey, hang on a second, what has happened to me was designed by God, and here's the biggest part of this, to empower me. Now, I know that's hard. That's very hard. If you have been the victim of terrible hurt, especially if it's over an extended period of time, it's a major shift in mindset for a person to be able to say, now, hang on a second. This happened to me, and God chose me as the victim, and God doesn't want me to live the rest of my life hurt. You'll know this from your own experience. You speak to people, and you'll see that there are people out there who've been through horrible things. Maybe they grew up in an abusive home, or maybe they were in an abusive marriage, or maybe they had somebody who bullied them at school right through their whole school career, or whatever it was. And you will meet people in your life who will turn around and say, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. It made me who I am. And you think, wow, how, how? How did you do that? How did you shift? And then the forgiveness becomes not so much about that person getting away with what they did wrong. Because I think that that's often the concern that we have around forgiveness. Well, if I forgive them, does that mean I accept what they've done? Does it mean that I endorse what they've done? No. No. 
And maybe that's why it is a good point when Philip said before that they need to apologize. But maybe it's not always that they need to apologize. Maybe it's part of my growth experience to be able to to let it go. Who said that before? Jeff said before. Just let it go, which is so much easier to say than it is to put into practice. But once we have a bit of a different perspective and we understand that these things come our way for our growth, then, then it's a whole different place. You know, the Talmud uses a very interesting expression. It says, there's a verse in the Torah that says, those who love God are like the sun in its most powerful, you know, if you can imagine like the, the noonday sun. And the Talmud explains, who are these people who love God? How do you know if you love God? The Talmud says, it's people who take it on the chin. It's people who don't fire back when they're attacked. Now, be careful with this. Be careful. Because if somebody comes to actually harm you, you have to self-defend. No question about it. There is no martyrdom in being, oh, I'm going to be the nice person. So I'm going to be a pacifist and, and let people do what they want to me. No, that is not allowed according to Judaism. According to Judaism, there's a, an absolute principle of self-defense. Not only that, but even preemptive strikes if necessary. This is in the Torah. Going to war, all that kind of thing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking, and that's why it might be different. Somebody asked earlier if the hurt is ongoing. Well, then you've got to assess that. You've got to say, well, is the hurt ongoing because I'm allowing something to happen because I haven't taken the necessary steps to remove that hurt, that person, that perpetrator from my space? You have to, we have to take responsibility for ourselves at the end of the day. But let's talk where either it's uh, the kind of hurt where it's not necessarily even malicious. It's just that's that person. You've got to be quite balanced in the way you look at this, quite objective and say, some people are just like that. That's just their personality. They're not going to change. And I got news for you. They didn't even choose to have that abrasive personality, but that's just who they are. It's one experience. Different experience is the after the fact experience. So it was truly violent or truly ugly and horrible. And, and the person should have taken responsibility. Now it's after the fact. There, the forgiveness is a whole different concept. It's not forgiveness to say what they did was okay. I mean, look at Joseph and his brothers. There's a great example for us. He has a, he has a guy, 17 years old. His brothers all connive to get rid of him. First, they're going to kill him. Then as a second thought, they say instead of killing him, they're going to sell him into slavery. They don't see him again for 20 odd years. They don't know what's happened to the guy. So as the story goes, he rises to tremendous prominence. And then eventually they come back and they're on the back foot now because they don't have food. And he's the man controlling the economy of the whole developed world at that point in time. They've got to literally grovel before him to get food, not even knowing who he is. And he makes their life an absolute misery. And his intention was always to forgive them. And that's what's fascinating about the story. His intention was to forgive them, yet at the same time, he felt that they needed to shift. And that's a question we have to ask ourselves. This person in my life who has hurt me so badly, is there a need for them to shift? Is there something that I could do to possibly force them into a healthier position? They're obviously not in a healthy position. You, we have to remember this at all times. Somebody who is hurting, the person who bullies, is not in a healthy position. Something happened or is happening to them in their lives, and that's why they're like this. The person who is abusive, we don't know, may have been the victim of abuse. It's unfortunately often the case themselves. So maybe we need to force them to confront their own issues. 
fix themselves. Now, some people tell you that there are abusers out there who can't be fixed. I'm not saying that we wait in a vulnerable position until they come around. Again, self-defense is an absolute prerogative. It's an imperative in Judaism. You have to do it. You have to defend yourself. There's none of this business of waiting around. Maybe the person's going to get better. Uh-uh. If that person's hurting you, you've got to stop it in whichever way it's going to take to stop it. We're talking differently over here. We're talking about the process of forgiveness. You look at Joseph and his brothers. He absolutely, 100% was willing to forgive them, and we see that because of the way he speaks to them. But he doesn't make it easy for them to achieve that forgiveness because he wants them to grow. That's our fear. Our fear is we're going to forgive somebody, and we're just going to empower or endorse their bad behavior. And that's not good. That's not forgiveness. That's not forgiveness. That's surrender. Forgiveness means I'm willing to let go of what happened to me because I think it's healthier for me. I think it's healthy to live in a space where I'm not obsessed with the toxicity of revenge or keeping score. And at the same time, I think that that person, uh, there has to be a way for that person to be pushed to a, a space where they've got to own up to their issues and they've got to work on themselves and they've got to shift. And I almost... God put them in my way because maybe I can assist them in doing that. Something to consider. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Definitely some interesting and useful comments coming through. Here's an interesting comment somebody makes. Rule number one, don't blame yourself. And I'm glad that that you brought that up, uh, whoever sent that message, because don't blame yourself sometimes sometimes what we call forgiveness is not forgiveness as i alluded just a few minutes ago sometimes what we call forgiveness is actually capitulation and that's not healthy for anybody to say oh it's okay don't worry Mm -mm. sometimes we need to you know we need to stand firm and say i have to be a little bit assertive over here i'm not gonna make this personal so i'll forgive you But forgive you doesn't necessarily mean I untether you, let you go, free, do as you please. Sometimes forgiveness comes with, and that's why whoever said before that you've got to, the person has to ask forgiveness, that's probably a healthy thing because that means that they recognize the need to shift. Here's another comment by Mendy says, if God can forgive us every day for constantly ignoring his needs and being unfaithful in the relationship, and surely we can be more forgiving of those who hurt us. I think it's similar to what Neil said before, that at the end of the day, if we're supposed to emulate God, and God is very forgiving, in fact, unendingly forgiving, so surely then we're supposed to take a leaf out of that book, and we're supposed to try and do the same ourselves. Um. Yeah, lots of lots of comments. Sure, some people have written really long messages over here. I don't know if we can necessarily read all of that detail. What interests me, and I haven't brought it up, but what 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 interests me is that there's so many people who immediately commented, and I, I didn't read them all out, but there must be at least half a dozen comments that came through on the uh, online saying that you need to be able to forgive yourself. And I I wonder about that. That's probably subject enough for another whole show, being able to forgive yourself. Because it is important. There are times where you have to be able to forgive yourself. There are times where it's important not to confuse the idea of forgiving yourself 
with excusing somebody else. And you do often find that if a person, let's say, is in an abusive relationship, they'd be so busy forgiving themselves that maybe they're, you know, actually forgiving the other person. So you've got to be careful about that. Got to be careful. Uh, another SMS, uh, I'm not going to read out names, but here somebody says that their mother left them at 11 years old. So hard to forgive. I don't even know what you say to somebody like that. I mean, that's, that's, that's crushing. That's, I mean, it's absolutely devastating. Think about that. Think about that. Any person who grew up in a, a family with both parents under the same roof, which is an incredible blessing, try and imagine what it's like for a mother to leave when, when a child's that age. I mean, it's just it's, it's unbelievable what people have to confront. And so I, I don't think we should be judgmental when a person says that they can't forgive. You've got to understand where that's coming from. You've got to understand people have things that sear right through to the essence of their being and, and they carry around for their whole lives. What we can say is this, and I think maybe this is the place to, to, to leave off. What we can say is this, is forgiveness is very much about our own development, not only about releasing the other person. It is about releasing the other person for sure, but it's very much about our own growth, about our own depth, about our own development, our own maturation. And so at this time of the year, Yom Kippur, maybe it's worth our while to, to, to just give some consideration to somebody who we've battled to be able to forgive and maybe we're not yet at the point where we can forgive them completely but maybe we can take a step in the direction of forgiveness maybe a step in the direction of saying you know could be that they landed up in that situation where they were so horrible to me because of circumstances that they actually couldn't control maybe they didn't choose to have that personality they didn't choose to grow up in that environment or whatever and it's not to excuse them but maybe just to be more sympathetic towards them. It's amazing how sometimes those people who are the most difficult people in our lives actually are the ones who need our sympathy and empathy the most. Fascinating to think about. We could talk about this, I'm sure, for a very long time. There are other messages that came through that I can't read. They're too long, and we're kind of out of time. So I want to wish you a good Shabbos, a meaningful period of these days of Teshuvah, leading up to Yom Kippur, an easy and meaningful fast. And please, God, a beautiful, blessed, and uplifting year to come.